off the ball. If he gets a knighthood, it'll be the services to insomnia because it's a boring way of playing. <laughs> There's 20 different stories to say that fit into this. It's why we love sports. It's the storytelling element of sport. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. The News Round on Off The Ball with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Now you're welcome along on this Wednesday evening. Forget Wednesday Night Rugby. Wednesday GA, that's where it's at. It's Dunlogue's worst nightmare. 16 Gaelic football matches this weekend. And we've got the brilliant Colin Boyle and Darren O'Sullivan between 8 and 9. Dan McDonald will be along in the football show. Lots going on there. And this hour, OTBAM had two-time Heineken Champions Cup winning coach and two-time Heineken Cup winning player, Ron Nogara, on the show this morning. Plenty to reflect on, as you might imagine. So we'll play that interview this hour just after uh, half past seven or so. 53106, the text number. Add off the ball is where you'll get us on Twitter. Richard McCormick is there. Hello. How are you, Joe? Michael McCarthy is here. Hello. Hi. The uh, problem being for Wednesday Night GA, as I've just christened uh, tonight's chat with Colin and Darren, is that everyone hates Gaelic football right now, including Gaelic football people. So Don Logan and friends are probably right. Hurling just is better. That's the, yeah, uh, initially that's the by making the cardinal sin by calling Gaelic football GA, you know, typical football man. Yeah. You know, it's just it's it's inbuilt in you that the entire organisation is the game. I you know? Wednesday night GA had more of a punch than Wednesday night Gaelic football. Yeah, I know. But just saying, it's, oh, I hear it's, you. It's, it's only half. Everyone hates football, Mick. Yeah, they football do. Doesn't they do. care. Absolutely, but sure. Look, I mean, this is <laughs> to say this is the twilight zone, <laughs> deja vu, etc. Is to uh, under exaggerate. I would say uh, how much this happens. This is every year, right? Has, so, has there ever been a May? or June in the history of our lifetimes watching Gaelic football where most people were sitting around going wow I mean this is just wow I don't think it's so. 90, great like stuff 91 91 is probably the last one when you consider that Dublin Meath was so early in the Leinster Championship I think they were the first games that were in June I might put the correction there but like that would have been I'd say that was probably the last time for oh, sure they must have been early Derry, yeah. D- Derry down in 94 but I mean they, they, look, oh, it's a one-off occasion the rest of it stinks I guarantee you they were saying yeah or certainly since the 90s anyway I would say first we had the provincial issues then the qualifiers and you see what happens is at this time of year is just like the game in some ways I think for except for the, for the purest of which there are many out there I think when it is played between two teams of differing when it is played negatively which let's face it, it is played more earlier in the year than it is later in the year. It's a tougher game to watch than most. You know, there's still like you'll get a close game, it'll end up being exciting, but it doesn't bring you along in the way maybe some of the other sports will. Uh but look, it's always safe come the end of the year because there are more than ever this year, I would say, there is five, six, could you even stretch it to seven all Ireland contenders? Oh yeah, which we've—I I don't know if we've ever had that. Let's say five, right? To be you know conservative, there's five All Ireland contenders, and you know that's just something that we've now. And when they start playing each other in full-on knockout football, mm. all of this will be forgotten, as it so as it always is. And then come next April, next May, we're talking about football seasons yet to come to life. Can't watch this. Roscommon had the ball for six minutes. The game's dying, etc., <clears throat> etc. Et None of that's wrong, by the way. What, what? It'll just be superseded by the good stuff. What is it in, in built in, in GA people as a whole? Because this stretches to hurling to a degree as well. Like, what is it about them that becomes so obsessed with the aesthetics of the sport? More like it seems more than any other. The closest I can probably think of is the debate about distance in golf. 
but this seems to be the the one thing whereby the, 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 and it's not necessarily a difference of opinion or a difference in tactics it's just the actual sport itself and how it appears to the wider public is seemingly permanently in question and I, I don't know what it is built into the system that says that that has to be a sort of talking point every year yeah, it's an and if it's that broken Are, I don't know Are we know. a touch uh, self-conscious about its appeal and yeah. we're always fighting off the Premier League and global sport it's the last remnants of British rule in these islands All right, I would okay. say that's two uh, <laughs> no, that's, <but> that's two <laughs> that's two download references <laughs> won't have a but third. that's where it's coming from that's where it's coming from it's an inferior it's, it's a field that we need to battle for the you know Erling doesn't GA people ah oh, it does Erling just celebrates how great it is but it doesn't it's constantly saying like God, your kid, like you play a sweeper you have a tactical innovation and you're ruining the game it's gone. You score you know for your own half. Hurling's as bad as it, okay, Richie, sorry. isn't it? Like, you yeah, know? That's a fair point. Like, yeah. there, there's a lot of that. I think I think it's a battle constantly for the, like, the GA people, I think, feel that they, we've got these games and they're a gem. Yeah. But mo- obviously the rest of the world doesn't know about them, so there is this feeling, well, maybe they're not actually that good and it's just something that, yeah. you know, I, I grew up with. Uh, <laughs> so you're always fighting against it. But look, it, it, it seems nature have survived 30 years of every May and June it being terrible. Yeah. So, you know, maybe we can relax a touch. Uh, you mentioned the six minutes of possession on Roscommon's part. So that is the new men behind the ball conversation uh, Roscommon much like Derry in the Ulster final this year started off the game against Dublin by keeping the ball for two and a half minutes they got their opening score courtesy of Kieran Murta and then on the 30 minute mark uh, the most talked about passage of play in quite some time Roscommon were ahead by three their goalkeeper Connor Carroll taps the kick out to Brian Stack 77 passes later and the goalkeeper, by the way, had 19 touches, which gives you a sense of where most of the play <laughs> happened. Kieran Murta did score. Like a part of the problem here was Dublin were just passive. They weren't in the second half, but in the first half, they went man for man, which meant the goalkeeper was free. And they just weren't arsed pushing up, squeezing up the way you would see football teams doing it and saying, well, if you can kick it to the 15th man, the other end of the pitch, go for it. But, you know, and so that brings in the other problem with Gaelic football. Uh, this uh, time of the year and particularly this season is the phrase shadow boxing. So with Colin Boyle and Darren O'Sullivan we are going to use the phrase shadow boxing at least half a dozen times. So nobody knows what's what. Nobody knows who's trying. Would Dublin dream of letting Roscommon pass the ball 77 times and only Morris Brosnan had the stat only, a Dublin hand only touched a Roscommon jersey nine times across those 77 passes. Would they dream of doing that and knock it football? No, no, of course so, not. So none of us know what we're watching is the other problem. Yeah, it's no, just but, all a bit flat. But, it, but it is a trend, and Dublin <laughs> themselves were very good at it, and it would kill games. And like, it makes possession in football almost like when you have a lead, it's ki- like that is killing the drama of a game because you get possession. That's it. You could have the ball for three or four minutes, and it's a very big pitch. Like in a game like football, it's a very big pitch to press everybody and to to really, really close off that space. You've got a goalkeeper in play. It's an extra man. They've got a lot of room to run into for a pass. It's an easy game to not get caught in possession in, say, like the opposite of hurling in that way. So, like, it's definitely a trend I think we're going to see more of and we need innovative solutions. But you're right, it's not going to be that bad. But, I mean, I saw that in the Mayo-Kerry game, it happened as well. Mayo were brilliant at it, actually. But, again, it was like they're killing the game. Kerry are trying to come back every time Kerry get the ball. It's eager and it's straight up to Paul Ganey and it's like, you know, trying to get it to Clifford, trying to score a goal. Mayo get it, it's two, three minutes. Yeah. You know, they didn't go six minutes. <laughs> but and the most important thing about that is, yeah. and the reason it'll not stop, is Russ Common got a score at the end of it. It worked. No, true, you know? and it frustrated the hell out of them. Yeah. Interestingly, and he can expand on it later on after 8 o'clock, 
Darren O'Sullivan also thinks the six months plus away from an inter-county setup is harming the standard. Mm. You can do what you do at your club, it's just a lesser standard and he doesn't think it's good for the standard of inter-county football. He totally gets the split-season concept and why it's good, uh, broadly speaking, but just within the confines of a conversation about standard, he doesn't think it's good for the elite to be away from the inter-county uh, setup. Makes sense and it hasn't been talked about. Yeah. You know, like I mean, so, it's something we can probably come back to, but if you're with a team 10 months a year yeah. at the elite level, like it's not professional like use the word professional people always bring money into it but it is full on like akin to a professional environment you're uh, training with the best you're eating with the best you're doing tactics with the best everything gym etc whereas if you're just gone for half a year like we were talking about the rugby lads last night and how small a break they had and Rory was talking about how they don't really take a break at all They, they go to hotels with the best gyms totally you go back to club and like Richie's marking you sorry Rich You've got a handy day's work there, Mick. <laughs> uh, Leinster lose and we get two weeks of listening to it. Munster win and we get two days. Did we I'm sure two weeks. Sure, it only happened a week and a half ago. Yeah, we've done well to talk about it for two weeks there. We've almost <laughs> um, travelled through time to do that. Uh, you'll be pleased to know we are hopefully going to talk to Dennis Leamy on the show next week. Next week, yeah, yeah. Okay. Nice. And we reached out to Keith Earls as well. We'll get to him eventually. So, you know, we'll. Well, he'll get to us eventually, Joe. Let's Sorry, be yes. Uh, I, 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 I hasten to add if Keith Earls was available, he would be on tonight. But um, we'll hopefully get to him at some stage. So uh, don't worry, Munster fans. We've got you covered. But uh, And we've Raj on tonight, you know. Raj is on tonight. That's effectively a Munster win yeah, as well. Exactly, yeah. When Munster beat Leinster in the Heineken Cup final there last week. Yeah, I love that. Two weeks of listening to it. You're right. It's 10 days. There you go. Um, some other texts in Gaelic football is like slow motion basketball with no proper tackle too much action without jeopardy says somebody uh, an anonymous text in the highs of Gaelic football are always enough to make us forget about the lows well I think that's been a big part of the last decade whereby the aftertaste of Dublin Mayo the afterglow was so glorious yeah. those epics that it tend to cover a multitude but I guarantee you two months before them I agree completely the the slow motion basketball point is a really good point I Will was saying the other day that like we always jump to rule changes and I couldn't agree more it's not always the solution to change the rules for everything but I always have the shot clock thing in my mind now it doesn't have to be 24 seconds like basketball again it's a much bigger pitch and much bigger game but I do think that it might be the only solution to this kicking the ball around backwards well, for half an hour I, we haven't really done a piece and I never have given too much thought to rule changes because I just find it a touch um you know, everyone's got their own version. It's like championship structures. As, yeah. soon, as, soon, as soon as someone takes out a sheet of paper and goes, this will solve the championship structure, I zone out. It's also too easy a solution to always just change the rules. If you're doing, top of my head, if you're doing shot clock, then you absolutely have to have certain numbers have to stay in opposition half. Because if you do a shot clock, if I was a coach, I'd top of my head, I would say, well, all 15 of us back into yeah. our own half. Yeah. And just clog it up and let's watch that clock. They'll they'll all draws, yeah. 100% so, yeah and like every rule change has to be done carefully like the unintended consequences of everything because like managers are always going to find really effective things which are pragmatic and effective which kind of go against the spirit of the rule and, and make things worse so I'd be really wary of you know all these rule changes which are chucked out okay, I look I couldn't agree more I couldn't agree okay. more I'm just saying with that one I wonder if it needs again it's almost like I don't even I haven't even thought it through because I'm also like you I don't think about the rule changes yeah. but now I'm thinking is there something in that one but it's not figured out yet Rich any rule change you want to carelessly throw out on national radio off the top of your head there that would be a uh, panacea small, uh, make the pitch smaller Joe <laughs> yeah. I think it's quite, quite obvious 13 it's aside too, is always a safe big. one you say 13 aside, no one can complain about 13 aside, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, I tell you, sport, to be fair, rugby is a sport that's bloody good at rule changes. 
I mean, it, 10 years ago, 13 aside was being talked about and now they've manipulated the breakdown and various other rules and yeah. it's it's more tried. I disagree with all of them at the start and then they become good. I still think the hold up being a dropout is a disaster. Of a, Something of a like, like 50-22. What, right. a, what yeah. a rule. Yeah. Whew. Rob Carney went down to Australia and he did the first one I've ever seen okay. and his one year away and I remember it was just like what is this this is transformative you know yeah. and I like the way it almost it isn't transformative either it's something that might happen once a game yeah but it forces obviously them to keep numbers in the backfield yeah. and then you get more breaks like every one of the consequences are great mm. like I'm boring myself now I feel like just such a like <laughs> I don't no sniggering please but every time there's a <laughs> every time there's a 50-22 yeah. you can guarantee Joe Malloy watching TV goes God, it's a great rule. <laughs> <laughs> a ball being held up over the line resulting in a loss of possession I think is a bad rule. Yeah. I have to say, I think okay. they should change that back. The news round is brought to you with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition is available now. Richie Roland Garris. Uh, Novak Djokovic finds a way to be centre of attention one way or another, I think. Yeah, boy howdy. Um, this is a, pretty much the attention is going to be on what he does after tonight's match rather than during it. But ahead of his French Open second round match, Novak Djokovic has been warned not to repeat his message regarding Kosovo. The Serb wrote on a camera lens, Kosovo is the heart of Serbia. Stop the violence after his first round win on Monday. France Sports Minister Amélie Udea castera described his message as militant and very political. Djokovic takes on Martin Fucevic in Paris in the next half hour or so. Men's top seed Carlos Alcaraz booked his third round place tonight with a four set win over Taro Daniel Alcaraz will play Denis Shapovalov next. Fifth seed Stefanos Tsitsipas and 11th seed Karen Kashinov are both victorious today. The women's second and third seeds are also safely through to round three. Roland Garros following straight sets wins. Arena Sabalenka and Jessica Pagula beat Arena Shimanovic and Camilla Georgi respectively but the fifth seed Caroline Garcia is out. The home favourite lost in three to Anna Blinkova. That sets up an interesting meeting. The Russian will play Ukraine's Alina Svitolina in round three. Also out today 2017 champion Elena Ostapenko and the 15 seed Lyudmila Samsonova Would either of you have a big like Roland Garros's on your bucket list thing just as you're talking there Richie Yeah think, you know like Wimbledon is one of those bucket list things I would have and tickets are so expensive and it's also difficult and you're, you're in the lottery I've no sense is, is Roland Garros just as a, a tricky it, it, I don't think so because of the way they, they ticket it and they've split up the sessions especially on Chatrier uh, where the evening session is, is usually a bust so you can probably find tickets for that but it, like, geez, I'd love to go I even did like I know tickets are hard to come by for Wimbledon you have to yeah. go to the ballot and all that I did the tour uh, extraneous to the, the, like a couple of months after the tournament yeah. and even walking around the grounds it's like beautiful it, it has that aura and it's gorgeous and it's really well appointed and every little detail about it is just sublime absolutely sublime um, but yeah right Alan Garris I'd, I'd yeah. love to do again there's something, there's something about that May, June sunshine mm. hitting that red clay is it's gorgeous you're in Paris you know I was yeah. I, 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 like I looked last year to see what you do a package where you're guaranteed a quarter final or semi final Wimbledon was and it was like just thousands and thousands crazy money but I was there lucky enough to be there at the Olympics in 12 and it, like Richie says it feels very iconic to be on the grounds and yeah. see the stands and a million memories come flooding back Henman Hill are you a Henman Hill or a Murray Mound man oh it's Henman Hill like, either course, way much yeah. smaller yeah, yeah, like, yeah. much smaller be a solid British man and you know okay. it, you always remember it's Henman yeah, Hill not as impressive a, an edifice as it looks on the TV <laughs> no, it's very just, small just a mound it's it's it is, maybe yeah. it is a Murray Mound <laughs> it's just, I, I, just a slant of yeah, grass yeah. pretty much yeah, 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 surprised yeah. by this yeah. but I have because you always say I'd watch like two flies up a wall I've never had any interest in the French Open I find it boring I have to say and 
you know, just it's just never been for me. I can't say I've ever even watched. I may, maybe the Nadal Federer finals or whatever I've kind of watched, but I know what you mean. Not, not not a French Open guy. I know. I, I do. This not thing. really a Paris guy either. Most year, uh, yeah, really. oh, Jesus Christ, man! I got and I got crap for the Sopranos and and the Wire and stuff last night. Last time I was in Paris, on a whole the whole iconic city. Uh, last time I was in Paris, and this happens all the time in Paris. The entire place was basically closed down for protests, <laughs> yellow jackets or whatever it was at the time. We couldn't go anywhere, couldn't get out of the city to go to Disneyland, lost Disneyland tickets and then mugged on the way to the airport. Well, the ordinary decent people of France who are agitating for better working conditions apologise. Mix God, those yellow jackets, people, you wouldn't be on their side, Joe. Don't, Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but that aside, your one specific experience aside, Paris. Oh, every other time I've been to Paris. Been yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um... So I wasn't mugged, by the way. My wife was. Yeah. Jose Mourinho, don't call it a comeback and all that. He's, he's in a final again here. He is indeed, yeah. Back-to-back European finals for him at Roma, but Sevilla are attempting to win the Europa League for the fifth time in se- 10 seasons tonight. Standing in the way at the Pushkash Arena are Jose Mourinho's Roma. Mourinho can become the first manager to win the trophy with three different clubs. He'll join Giovanni Trapattoni uh, on three wins as well if he wins tonight with Roma. Kickoff in Budapest is at 8 o'clock. Cork City, meanwhile, continue their hunt for a first win in this season's SSC or Tristy Women's Premier Division. They are away to Wexford Hughes and kickoff in that one is a quarter to we will keep you updated surely the story on that is Sevilla and not Jose Sevilla going for their seventh Europa League title it's absolutely insane how are they always in it then winning it makes puts them into the Champions League they conspire to finish third mm. so that they get busted back down to Europa League level yeah you're not know. interested in the mad uh, the fact that Sevilla this like random uh, Spanish team are in the Europa League final they've never lost one actually that they've won it six times in no time, like in fifteen years. I'm not fifteen years. I'm not against it, but I'm not that into it. Okay, I find more the Jose Mourinho kind man. of interesting. Yeah. yeah, the story. The story here though is Budapest and how, in the space of a few weeks, it's managed to host a European Under Seventeen Championships and a Europa League, despite the overwhelming case of racist incidents at their stadiums, particularly during the European Championships, and yet they get rewarded. In space of a couple of weeks with all of this just seems odd at the the, the very bottom end of that scale but strange and odd and entire, beyond entirely to go away the world yeah is there anything Richie loves more than a tennis major never has he more cause to whip out the linguistic skills I mean I do think he scours the early round matches for the most difficult pronunciations there's a certain <laughs> randomness to the matches he mentions Long time news Minimum three syllables is the AI device he uses. My, fa- my favorite, my favorite is Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova. That's just it. It rolls off the tongue, and it's got about fifteen syllables. And she won today as well. Funny enough. There you go. You get another crack at it next round. There you go. Uh, so, how was it Wednesday? And Mix never talked about Aston Villa once. Jason in Dublin. There's just no time. We'll uh, press on. Although you did actually. Sorry, it's not even that funny a bit, is it? You did have a great stat about. Um, Emery yesterday that yes. if you extrapolate his 25 matches out across the season Villa would be third yeah in a points per game over 38 games so they'd have finished third ahead of Newcastle yeah uh, 1.96 points per game is what Emery got in his 25 games it's not a small sample size you know so unbelievable really I didn't even realise it was that good if yeah. you know what I mean like I mean it's like I think the Zerbi at Brighton has like 1.56 points and 
you know, like starting off with a from a higher place as well. Obviously with Potter and all the talk there and what they've done, which is a, is a remarkable achievement, literally. But yeah, I think I think people are sleeping on the fact that Villa had such a good record in the on the, on, on the, the face of it, on the face of it, a man who was brought in to save them from relegation, getting them into Europe in the same season is remarkable. Yeah, there were a lot like of strong it's remarkable. cases for manager of the season this year. Gary O'Neill. Emery, you have yeah. to, like Pep, you kind of have to go. Yeah, there. Pep won us there last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 kind of extraordinary as well, and several others I'm not thinking of. Roy Hodgson, yeah. late, late Eddie Sheffield. Howe, Eddie Howe. <laughs> there you go. Got the Champions League. Some yeah. amazing um, managerial performance. Can I ask? This is to take Villa out of this, but it's just something that interested me. in some of the like, I got a couple of messages about it, saying it was small time for Villa to be celebrating finishing seventh and getting into the Conference League. Mm-hmm. What would your your thoughts be on that? Just as a like, as a you know, the, the we had a discussion about Munster's homecoming yeah. off air as well, and whether that was something that you know that the Leinster fans were saying that's a small time thing. Right. Where do you stand on that? On Villa celebrating? Yeah. Like that, they've the, got European football as a fan base to look forward to next year, and yeah. trips with their families and loved ones to cities that they wouldn't do otherwise, and big nights under floodlights at Villa Park next year to look forward to having been staring relegation in the face. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're all right to celebrate that. Yeah, I just, it was one of those great occasions <laughs> on. and then there was a lot of kind of like, you know, <laughs> Conference League, yeah, great. You know, I do, I do think we, I do think the, reality the, the rivalries of football, uh, rivalries of sport have just forced us to have such joylessness. Here's and that's my overall point. Yeah, the Oscar music on Villa is playing now. I'm not talking about Villa. I'm talking about the, general... The, the reality of that, the reality of that that will come home to bear Sorry. when you get like Rijeka and your gardens in the, you know, the group stage. Shamrock Rovers, um, I think, is the most likely, uh, most yeah. likely opponent, I would say. Uh, Frank says, when Pep's Barcelona played tiki-taka football, everyone thought they were brilliant. It was actually boring and you could put the kettle on and make a tea and miss nothing. I sort of like I grudgingly inhaled myself for thinking it sort of agreed with that. The best thing that happened tiki-taka was when Gegen pressing came along and suddenly it was like a really interesting interaction but there was definitely a five or six year spell there where Barcelona just picked the game up put it in their pocket didn't let anyone else play and it was boring it was admirable in the extreme but the games were boring too often yeah it's not a popular it feels like it's a higher skill to do it in football than it is in Gaelic football if you know what I mean Depends I, I do pressed. think there was a lot of one touch there was a lot of yeah, fair enough. moving in and out and like I mean all of that has been done in football but I just feel like you have a lot more capacity to keep possession of the ball when you can use your hands no it's true I like they were awesome and don't ever tell Graham Hunter I said that because he gets very angry when he hears that opinion um, <laughs> but it was just how I felt you know yeah my brain told me I was wrong to feel that way but it was how I felt it was always messy at the end of it and you know that helped in his 20s yeah no that helped so we have um, Gaelic football as well this evening. Yeah, Port Leash, the venue for this evening's Electric Ireland Leinster minor football final. It's a repeat of last year's decider as well, but defending champions Dublin once again up against Kildare. Throw in is in five minutes' time. Ronan O'Gara, meanwhile, does not believe Ireland's World Cup campaign will be undermined by Leinster's defeat in the Heineken Champions Cup final. Some people believe that La Rochelle's victory exposed some weaknesses in the Irish setup, but speaking on this morning's OTBAM, and no, you'll have more of this later, O'Gara did not believe that to be true. It's not because it's nowhere near the same management group, and you, you, I mean, so it's incomparable in my mind. It's the exact same as saying, Well, it's La Rochelle with someone else coaching them. Well, then it's a different team, you know. And I'm not trying to take the credit for myself far from it, you know. I just think we have a very good staff here and we have a very uh, good playing group. But I think, you know, I mean, the Irish team is very, very different because its leader is very, very 
uh, different to, to 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 what happens in Leinster, and that's not a slight on Leo or. Um, Stuart or Goody or any of them because I think they're fantastic people and fantastic coaches it's just it's it's a game of tiny margins Sharon you know that from with your experience in all sports Okay so we shouldn't be too worried about the fact that there's a bit of a template for international sides to play against Leinster slash Ireland no, because if Leinster score one one score at 17-0 the game is over they could probably go on and put 40 points on us Okay. So don't don't be stressing out just yet about the World Cup you're telling us. No, it's in, it's completely unrelated. There's a different absolute mindset for Ireland. There's a different level for Ireland. It's a different coaching group. It's a different playing group. For me, it's poles apart. So we're going to play that full interview at uh, this hour. So hang around for it. It was a really good chat on the way um, just after the news round. Um, last story or two, Rich. Uh, the Eddie Jones thing is kind of interesting. Out of nowhere, this. Yeah. yeah. Eddie Jones has shocked many by claiming he'll leave his role as Wallabies head coach after this World Cup. He was appointed to the job in January, signing a contract that ran through to 2027. However, Jones told Lawrence Delalio on the Evening Standards Rugby podcast. Uh, well, firstly, I'm only coaching till this World Cup, mate. Are you? Yeah, I've signed, but... I- as I've made the mistake before, I've stayed too long. So if we win the World Cup, it'll be time to go. If we lose the World Cup, it'll be time to go. Eddie, the, the 2027 World Cup is back in Australia. They, they will absolutely want you to do, want you to be part of that. I'm sure. It's a long way away, mate. Uh, asked about Jones' comments by the Sydney Morning Herald, a Rugby Australia rep said Jones was trying to emphasise that his focus is only on this World Cup. They will remain in charge for the duration of his contract with the 2027 edition returning, as Delalio mentioned there, to Australia. Well, they made a decent effort to lie about the situation. I love this, like, I'm only coaching this, like, I've signed, but... Not doing it. He'll change his mind. That was just for more money. We are out of time. Richie, thank you very much. Nice and nice. Michael, thank you. Cheers.